Welcome to Free Range American. We've got a great guest here today. Uh, Pat McNamara is, is here. From- <laughs> Roy, Roy, snap into a swim gym. Get some. Kyle. We're, we're just going to be a whole lot of getting some over the Get course some. of the next hour. Yeah. And a collab VTAC episode. Little team VTAC action. Mr. Yeah. Kyle Lamb. Yeah. So I'm going to interview you guys while you're interviewing me. This is going to be like a little man-on-man love here going on. And man people, v, man v, people man. won't even understand what the fuck is going on. I mean. They don't usually anyway. Sorry. So that's they won't understand what's going on. I forget. <laughs> this is VTAC and Free Range American. So Kyle doesn't want me to cuss on, cuss on his podcast. Just take, so. I mean, that's if it's only one or two, we can handle that. <laughs> Got it. We'll okay. just make I'm Dave do all the work. So it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just so, remember, beep my F words when I talk, Dave. Thank you. So you guys went out elk hunting with your bows Mm -hmm. and I get a call from Logan or I called you or whatever we're talking about. We're, we're actually down here in Texas right now, opening your new store, which was awesome. Uh, That was just crazy. And it's just like a couple doors down from Starbucks and I hate that you stole all their customers, but you know, that's kind of what they get. I love it. I love it. Maybe all the refugees went there. Yeah. Because all the veterans and patriots and Americans (laughs) went to your store today. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, I ran into a couple people. I went and picked up tacos before I came up here and I saw a guy wearing a black rifle shirt in the parking lot. I pulled up, gave him a coin, and he's like, Man, that was so awesome. I went, I drove by during the soft opening and there was nobody at Starbucks, but your parking lot was full. I couldn't even get in there. I was like, Yeah, that was on purpose. Yeah. yeah, it was very planned. Very yep. planned. Yeah, which makes me very happy every time I see that. The line <laughs> of cars. Yeah. The no line of cars in the other one, which is, you know, people vote with their dollar. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that uh, that hashtag get woke, go broke. A firm believer in it. <laughs> I hope Maxine Waters is listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She said woke because she couldn't quite conjugate the verb correctly, right. and it stuck. And now, I mean, we're using her word. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think it was Maxine Waters, wasn't it? I have no idea where that where yeah, that some entire dolt, thing started. Yeah, some dolt that works in D.C., which there's a lot of them. But oh, anyway, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I get a we we get on the phone, right? And I find out Logan has killed an elk yeah. with his bow. And dude, you're like, man, um, I understand now what your problem, because you yeah. hear me talk about it and you were looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? When I said, oh, archery elk hunting, you, it's the best. Yeah. And you're kind of like, you didn't really get that at the time. Well, no. And that, that goes back to like the first time we met was right after you had just finished up filming your show that you were doing at the time. And I was, what show was that? What the was Viking it? Viking Chronicles. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That was the one that you did with Leopold and yeah, Leopold and Leopold and Sig and got it. Yeah. Sig and yeah, pretty much it. Right. Oh, Cryptech too. Yeah, yeah, Cryptech. Cryptech. Yeah, good dudes there. But whether that was you know being in Salt Lake and, and be becoming a part of the hunting culture, or you know just overall watching what you do, like I, I don't know if you know this, but. I talk a lot of shit to you, but you are a huge inspiration for me. 
and you call yeah. you the old man and dad, but yeah. you know, that's not a love. There's that a lot of love that's dad. going on. <laughs> you, hey, we've talked cool. about Let's that. get a DNA test. 23 and, we'll and me, is that what it's, it's going to come back? 98% lamb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2% other. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure, you know, Evan will, will mirror the sentiment, but, but, it, it's hard even coming back and, and and not putting on camo every morning when I wake up because I just uh, being out there for those those few days and and going back and getting back into that routine where it's like you're not focused about anything else except being in nature and solving this problem and getting mission success for this one specific task. But every step of the way, even the going back to the preparation, we were doing all this stuff with Total Archery Challenge and this constant communication with Don Dully to get good at this stuff and figure it out it it like provides so much purpose away from what you're doing for your everyday job that i i won't ever not do this again every year like i i'm like just itching to get back out there yeah and i think the other part that some folks don't understand is success with a bow in your hand does not mean an animal on the ground success is just that out there like you said, you felt like, I think one of the things you told me is like getting out there and just being quiet and being away from all the craziness that goes on around you every day. Um, I mean, I try to do that a lot where I live, but I'm not working full time for Black Rifle Coffee. You guys live in a just a crazy, I mean, you got a crazy world going on. Um, yeah, I mean, you think even just the last few days, like we spent Thursday and Friday this week filming for 12 to 13 hours with corridor doing our Halloween video on top of the other stuff that's running right. in the background that we got to do. And then immediately shift gears, get into PR mode and, and go to the grand opening. And that's kind of like a, a fairly typical cadence. That's, that's, as far normal. As like, that's normal. That's kind of so, normal. So what was your Logan, you go first. Tell me what your setup was. What's your bow setup? I got a PSC stealth carbon. Uh, it's only got a 60 pound draw, um, shooting Easton arrows, those axis ones, five millimeter. I got some 25 grain sleeves from iron will, and then I was shooting two inch titanium sever broadheads, the mechanical ones, um, loophole binos, loophole range finder. That's pretty much it. Oh, I got my, I'm a big fan of crispy boots after this whole excursion. Right, right. So what did you use for release? Uh, Dudley's knock on, knock, knock to knock it, to it, knock to it. That green okay. One. I haven't messed with it. I saw yours yesterday, but I haven't, mm. I haven't really messed with that. So it's a thumb release. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why I do like you like it. that? Uh, well, I've never used the other, okay. so I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, so basically Dudley said, this is what you need. And then I just said, okay. Because he's the best. So, yeah, use what the best uses. Yeah, and I know a lot of guys, but I also understand, too, where I looked at all the Olympic archers and then what type of, they're use, they're all using thumb releases. So I thought, okay, and I, and I, and I understand it, and I, I think you, you would, too, where consistency, so my ability to replicate the same position with my release, because I, I put this knuckle, so my index finger knuckle on this, um, on this angle, right, uh, right here on my, on my um, chavo, oh, yeah. and I can put it. It's in the same spot every time with my 
with my fingers being flat and split, one on the bottom portion of my jaw, one on the top portion of my jaw, and being able to get that in the same spot every time versus I and I I have tried the other type of release and I didn't feel like I could replicate the same spot every right. time. I really didn't. I felt like it was just kind of floating out here. So you're not using a kisser button, you're just using that as your reference point. What's a kisser yeah. button? I don't even know. Kisser what that is. is a little disc you put on your strings when you pull back. It settles into the corner of your mouth. That's your oh, reference point. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Like we yeah. used to do yeah, that, that makes with sense. our stocks and and sniper platoon, where we would put like some guys oh. would put a little BB underneath their their stock, so it like hit on the same point on their cheek every time, so mm. they know that their scope mm, relief was the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So is that what you use? You use a, well, that's use... what I use in the re in the now I, I do that for the same reason you do what you're doing. So I don't shoot a bow as much as I should. Right. Why? Just because I'm shooting so many other things and it's just right. like things start to fall away. Like I'm gonna go shoot my recart or my recurve, yeah. and I'm gonna go shoot my compound, and then I'm gonna go shoot this rifle and this pistol and whatever. And it gives me an, a quick reference so that I can try to replicate my position because if you replicate it, you're going to have better right. accuracy if you yep. can be consistent. So I'm doing, you're doing the same thing as I'm doing, except you're doing it with your knuckles versus yeah. I'm doing it with the kisser button. And gotcha. I'm using a different trigger too. So I can't roll my hand like you right, are with sure. your kisser. I'm not using a thumb release. I'm squeezing with my trigger finger. finger. Um, what, how much were you shooting before you left? Like before I went on the hunt? Yeah. Every day. And what's, what was your longest pin you had on your bow? Well, I had the, I have the dial, so I can, I can go up to a hundred on my tape. You can go to 110 because you got two pin sight, right? Or do you have a one Technically, pin sight? Technically, yes. You know, I would have, so when you go and do that, be, because of, I was shooting a much heavier arrow. So uh, it would, it wouldn't quite be the same, yeah, yeah. but it would probably be like, so my, one oh nine would would probably be about where it was at, but go, going out there, I was like seventy. I was like seventy and in was was the amount that I had shot a lot, and I was super confident out to that range, just knowing that if I had an opportunity to take, I really didn't think that I would get a chance past that distance anyway. And what distance did you shoot? It was forty seven. Was yeah. my shot? Yeah. Slightly downward angle. I was kind of on this. I just was it slightly. Or really downward? I would say it was, I don't know, 30 degrees or yeah. so. So it was a good angle. Yeah. But still, you're, you, so if you're losing a, a Leopold rangefinder, it took that out. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. That's yeah. the nice thing about that TBR yeah. setting is you can laze and you don't, yeah, you, right. don't, you don't even worry about it. You don't have to think about it because right. it, it does it all for you. So that's a nice way. Which, and that's not the only one that does it, but that's the same one I use. Right. Yeah. And that's what we figured out at Total Archery Challenge this year is like we all had different rangefinders and like... <laughs> We were all older, different distances. Yeah, I had an older version, Leopold rangefinder, that was not uh, uh, was not calcing for uh, arrow ballistics, so it it was off. So all these other guys were getting. We were you were off on yours too. You had an older one. It didn't yep. have the T. Was it True Ballistics? Right? Is that what it is? It's TBI. Yeah. yeah so TBR? the TBR, True Ballistic which, range, yeah, which. From to my knowledge, doesn't work for, uh, or, or not all of them have a bow setting. Right. It, it'll work for high angle shooting for rifles. Right. Um, but you need to get the bow specific one. So uh, that was 
one of the good learning points for me through total archery challenge. And then I got the full draw three, which I ran through the gauntlet before getting out to the hunt and it was spot on. So I've had some friends of mine that have killed animals at an increased range. Yeah. One of them sitting right here, <laughs> but some guys will get upset because they'll say, well, you shouldn't shoot. You shouldn't shoot at a certain range. Right. This is just like long range hunting with a rifle. Yeah. I agree with that. If you've never shot at 600 yards, you shouldn't go out and shoot an animal at 600 yards. Right. No. But if you shot at a thousand yards and you're like, oh, that's 600. I know all my dope. I'm totally comfortable with it. And you want to make that shot. You're the one ma in making the ethical call. Yeah. Not me. You do what you want to do. So Evan, that leads us to your story, which is right. awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it was 94 yards. Uh, I had low crawled a couple hundred yards. Then I had to low crawl back out. I had to get into a, a little creek and then go around a little creek and then low crawl again because the elk were out in the middle of this meadow. And that was as close as it was going to get. So to your point, we have a hundred plus yard range on the facility. Logan and I shot. I started shooting out here in preparation for my elk hunt. Uh, that was like when I really started putting the arrows in, it was April. And I was putting in 100, 100 arrow days out here in preparation for elk season in April. And then as I started to get better groups, uh, and, then it, and then going to Total Archery Challenge, which we went to the one in Big Sky, the one in uh, uh, Utah. So we went to two different Total Archery Challenges. We not only shot, I shot almost every day. And when I say every day, like five days a week yeah. on our facility in Salt Lake, shot the total archery challenge. And we were stretching these things out. So we were shooting 3D targets out to 120, 130 on a regular. We shot one day where we shot probably 10 targets and every one of the targets was above 90 yards and they were smaller, bigger, but... The, a testament to one, the appropriate, the, the getting your dope really square on your bow, shooting a lot of arrows, understanding like, because I, I had changed my sight tape probably a week and a half before I went all hunting. So I have the same setup. So I have the carbon stealth and uh, spot hog uh, dial. And knock to it, release. So same kind of setup. I've got some really sweet Leupold binos that have rangefinder in them. And They're I don't... super cool. They are. They are really <laughs> nice. And I have the... I wish I had a set of those. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I think it's a little surprising you have a close relationship with you do as loophole that you don't have you a don't pair. have it's them. pretty well, they told it's me and weird. they said we have one pair of these should we send them to you or should we send them to evan right and oh. i said man yeah you bit the bullet on that one yeah, yeah. send them to evan yeah. well that was a well, good call i got call. pretty good eyes i don't really need right. them for bow hunting <laughs> right you know what i'm saying no it's a good call so let me ask you a question about that so one of my buddies of course we like to have binos with us, but when the elk gets in close, I don't use my binos anymore. No. I just use my range yeah. finder. Yeah. 
So did you have another rangefinder or you just, you only use the binos? No, I use the binos and I used a rangefinder. Okay. So uh, I have the Leupold rangefinder, same thing. Uh, same, what, what is it called? The bow, whatever. What is it called? Which one? Uh, full draw. Full draw. Full there draw you go. Full draw. But the other one that I really like using is the, um, it's a Seiko actually, because it has uh, stabilization. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It, it internally stabilizes and I really like it and has a bit of mag- magnification. So, but the full draw and those are, those are my go-tos. I, I mean, all the others that I've used, I don't like, but to your point, if we were to rewind, I shot a lot of arrows. I'm super comfortable out at, out at 90 plus, like really comfortable out past that. Uh, now to Logan's point and emphasis, I don't even really shoot my bow inside the 60. I really don't. Now I make sure that my tape is good. And of course, when you're, when you're dialing in new tape or when you've got some adjustments that you're making to maybe a fletching or something, you, you're moving in and you're doing some uh, confirmation more than anything inside the 60. But the majority of the arrows that I shot in the last six months were all 60 and above. And I would say probably if I were to put a yardage on my average shot in the last six months, it would be 75 yards. Like taking all of our shots into consideration, I think that's probably accurate because it's because we shot a lot above, you know, out to 100, 110, 120 at times. I think our longest shot this year was like 128, 130, right? Give or take. I think it was 118, if I remember right. Like, what was that uh, bedded? What course. was that bedded bowl last year? It was 128, but either way, whatever. It was long. I like. I like shooting at that distance. And I think a lot of guys do like shooting at that distance too, because I know if I can group really well at a hundred, that group's only going to get tighter as I get in closer. So there's no doubt in my mind if I can. And before I even made that 94 yard shot, I had shot out to a hundred and had an eight inch group at or 18 inch group at a hundred. So I put half dozen arrows into a target and, and that was, there were four that were relatively clustered, but 18 inch group at a hundred. We know that's a double lung on an elk, depending on where he's at and how he's doing. So when I had low crawled out into that field, conditions were perfect. You know, I should say, you know, meadow that was flat as a board. He was completely perpendicular to me. He was sitting there, like just standing there. No wind. Yeah. Yeah. The wind's a big deal. Yeah. Every, so if the wind would have been moving, man, I, there's no way I could have taken that shot. So I, I couldn't have taken that shot at 94 because depending on where the wind was, there's just no way. There's no way I would be able to make that shot, but there was zero wind. Yeah. You'd pick up, you know, I'd blow my, uh, my powder and it would just fall s- straight down. Yeah. So I got super lucky but I've heard the same thing and I even heard it in my comments. You shouldn't be shooting out that far, uh, you know, and you shouldn't be posting about it. You shouldn't be talking about it. You shouldn't be encouraging people to shoot that far. And I'm like, hey man, that animal died in five minutes. I had a double lung with a cut trachea at 94 yards and he died in five minutes and he basically did two circles and he died almost exactly where I shot him. 
And I knew guys that I was hunting with that week that shot their animals from 17 yards away and they never found them. Yeah. So it's really about how confident are you in the shot? How proficient are you at shooting? Because just like you and I both know, man, I, you know, off a buzzer cold from the concealed at a, you know, sub seven yard line, I can hit a piece of steel any day, all day long, sub two seconds, like any day, all day long, like cold, cold as shit. But how many people can do that? Right. Not a lot. Like 99% of anybody in the country couldn't do that. But if we were to put money on the table and say, here's, you know, this month's mortgage, can you do it in sub two seconds? I'd take that bet any day, all day long. Right. But tens of thousands of reps, the same thing with archery. Thousands of reps, different environments, windage, and all these different considerations. I feel super confident. One of the things you said earlier was a hundred arrows in a day. Yeah. Dude, that's, I mean, I'll be honest. If I go out and shoot 10 arrows, that's kind of what I would do. (laughs) Like, hey, I got time to shoot 10 arrows. I go shoot, and I'm not making yeah. fun of that. Hmm. I'm just saying that if you shoot a hundred arrows a day, you know, think about what a tournament archer does. That's what they do. Yeah. And they're totally confident. Um, you still have to, you talked about the stabilized binos. I wish there was a stabilized bow because yeah. my problem is when I get an elk in front of me, I need more stability because I start <laughs> to get a little shaky on them. But having that confidence, it's like hunting with a rifle. I have total confidence with a rifle because I, I shoot a rifle more than I shoot my bow, right. which is wrong. But uh well, that brings up an interesting point because there was a few days there in Salt Lake where I found myself highly caffeinated. You know, sometimes yeah. I'll just like, you know, kind of be focused on work. And then like all of a sudden it's two o'clock and I'm just ripping. My my heart is just racing. And I'm like, but you don't really notice it because it's that slow warm up to get to that point. And then I throw a couple of nicotine pouches in. And so like, I, like I'm shaky, I'm jacked, but you don't really notice it until you pull back. I was like, oh, that's interesting because it's actually a really good way to practice that Mm -hmm. moment because you never know how you're going to be in that moment necessarily because like it is different if it happens really fast and you're you're preparing quick, like your heart rate is going to increase, right? So that was, you know, an interesting way for me to like kind of like begin to get as close to the real thing as possible or like Evan would hop in the sauna do some squats or some burpees and then go out and shoot real quick, like jack that heart rate up because just to get comfortable doing that. And I think like a lot of these people who are like talking down on taking that long of a shot, it's like, I think that's just projecting their own capabilities within archery because like they don't feel comfortable for doing that. and And they're not like really willing to accept that somebody else should be doing that. But it, and he and I talked about it. Logan and I talked about it where it's different. You know, when you're shooting, when you've been in really high stress scenarios where, you know, where your life depends on your shooting capability, you know, that's it's kind of a, your life depends on your climbing capability. You may, you become a better climber, right? Shooting, and, and this was one of the things I was telling my guide we were, you know, as we were driving around looking for elk and he was bugling and he was like, are you sure you can shoot out to that distance? You know, and I'm like, yeah, man, I, I can shoot out to that distance. I'm super confident. He's like, well, I don't know, man. 
you know, like these guys, there's a lot of guys get really stressed out about this. And I was like, dude, <laughs> nothing, nobody's not, shooting at Nobody's shooting yeah, at you know, me. I think though, the, like, I, I know he's shooting at but me. But I can I'm see both sides okay. of it. If you're that calm when you got an elk in front of you, that's, I'm happy for you. I'm not because when I see an elk, I'm way more nervous than I ever was in any you want, scenario do, down range. Are you right? nervous in the sense of you just want to really kill that animal no, or no, is it, I well, just is it nerves? Do it right. is you want to do it right. I want to do it, it right. Excitement? It's excitement. It's not, it's, it's the excitement You're of that. excited. I feel things that I don't feel. And that's why I like to bow mm, hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel things when I'm hunting with a bow that I don't feel with the rifle mm. because I do get more in that, you know, and I understand that guide's perspective too, because he's sick of chasing wounded animals around the mm, County. Sure. Yeah. So you got to see that perspective. Yeah. But what I would say is if you're the guide, take the dude out and have him shoot on the flat range. And if he doesn't, if he, he can't do perform, it, then right. you don't, Hey right. bro, you yeah. can't do it. But if you can on the flat range, well, then there's a chance you can do it in the wild as well. And that's well, I, what I would do. Like I, I would shoot with Jocko yeah. between the, the evening hunt every day. And we would always do something different and to prepare. Like I would shoot from one knee. We would be at full draw for two minutes and then shoot. And, and like just these little things. And I would just like, I would, I acted the way that it, that I would want someone to act if I was the guide. Yeah. Right. So, so then I would go and tell him every evening session, I would tell him what I was doing to shoot like, Hey, like here's my group at this yardage. And like, j just to like give him like, confidence. Yeah, too, yeah. That's what I would want. If, if I was taking right. somebody out, you know, I, I, no, it's the same, I guess. I, I just, I replicate the training scenario. I saw my shooting scenarios and I replicate those in the archery scenarios. So I just shoot a lot of arrows and then, I don't know if it's, it's not really a complex training scenario, right? It's just, yeah, yeah, you're it's, just yeah, like, yeah. you replicate all the different environments, shoot a lot of arrows, you get into that repetition. And then the stress for me goes away because I don't have to think about whether or not I've trained enough or shot enough. Yeah, yeah. It just goes away. So, you know, and I was, I was, I was asked that, you know, Johnny and those guys asked me like, holy shit, like, I can't believe you took that shot. And I was like, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it twice. Just dialed the 94. That was the yardage and pulled back and, and, and hit it. It didn't. Not really one time did it. about 94 yards is you, you, there's less chance of you spooking the animal with your yep. movement at that distance. But that is one thing that I try to put myself in when I'm on the range. I go, okay, well, then I, I should say I do it on the range, but I try to replicate it. When I get in the woods, I start thinking, man, I got to blade my body. Cause I don't blade my body, you know, right. When I'm in a deer stand or right. on the ground, you're like glass and you don't turn your body. Well, you need to, cause that's yeah. with a bow, you've got to be in that position. Yeah. You can't shoot square. You've got to, you know, get in the right, in that right shooting position. You said earlier, you had your bow dialed to 60 pounds. Yeah. Which was just basically the way it came to me out of the box. And I was going to buy 70 pound limbs, but I just didn't want to switch it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you couldn't crank it up. You were, no. that's, that's it. For, that's for it. those limbs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you shoot the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize. I, I was thinking they were 70 pound limbs, but I guess they're sixties. Yeah. Unless you made any changes. No, I didn't make any changes. Yeah. yeah. I have 70 pound limbs on my other PSC and then I have 60 in my carbon. Which is going to be the first, you know, the next step, you know, coming into next year and stuff like that. I want to try shooting higher just, just to get more velocity out of the arrow. Yeah. Um, 
like Cam Haynes is, you know, playing around with like 90, 95 pound draw. Rams. And, you know, I, I think it's just advantageous to have that, that increased velocity with the arrow. Well, and we're, well, we're, we're going to increase our limb because we're going on a brown bear hunt. So, well, it's also though, it's, I mean, it's it, it, shooting a hundred arrows at 60 pounds is a lot different than shooting a hundred arrows at 75 pounds. Sure. Yeah. So it's going to be, I mean, there's going to be that factor too, but. I, I, I've actually really noticed a lot with going back and forth between my trad bow and my compound bow. People say they're not complimentary, but I disagree with it because I think you have, you know, you have a very distinct motion with your trad bow and your stabilization muscles. I think that putting in a lot of reps with my trad bow and I notice it. If I put in a lot of reps with my trad bow and then I go to my compound bow, my groups start to tighten it. They start to tighten up. I know a ton of guys disagree with me on that because they think that it's like your baseball swing versus your golf swing or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think that's the case. I think if you're shooting, you know, you're hitting targets with accuracy, like it's repetition. And you look at the greatest traditional archer on the planet, Hunter, not archer. I'm going to say Hunter. Yeah. Fred Eichler. Yeah. He shoots both a lot. Right. And he can shoot both. I mean, he does things with the traditional bow that most people can't even do with yeah. a reek or with a, uh, a, a compound right. with yeah. sights, you know? Yeah. So I would say he's, he pretty know, much knows his business. And yeah. I, I'll tell you, man, I, I have a recurve, one of the uh, Hoyt uh, Buffaloes. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. Same, same. Dude, I would rather, honestly, I would rather shoot that bow than shoot my compound. Really? It's just, it's no, funner. I need to. Yeah, yeah. I really like shooting yeah. that bow. I've never killed anything with that bow. Right. Yeah. But I really like, and I've never hunted with that bow. Well, we now, I have shoot fish with the recurve, but what recurves do we have? Fish. <laughs> the stalker stick bows. That's right. We yep. have stalker stick bows with the Selway, Selway archery, archery uh, quiver. Uh, quiver. And that to me, so I'll shoot my compound at the office because we got the range out back with concrete walls and stuff. And then I go home and I'll shoot my trad bow in the backyard. So I got a little pig in the corner and I just go, funk, you know, just keep putting arrows in, getting my reps in. <clears throat> and then, so I'll go back and forth between trad and compound, but I'm the same way. I, 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 I love shooting my trad bow because it's, it just, it's way, way more difficult for me. It's really, really hard for me to get a good group out of the trad bow. And I feel so, I feel awesome when I hit, you know, heart shot with the trad oh, bow. Yeah. I feel like I've done something incredible yeah. versus, because it's. It, Do you know how to tune that bow? No. Like, is there a See, dial on it no, where you no, can just I tune mean, in no, the radio? I'm, no, I don't either. I'm saying that because I have an issue with. I'm seeing my arrows do something crazy. And Fred told me, oh, I got this video and I haven't found the video yet. But it you twist the string, you know, that's how you're gonna Seriously? Adjust. Yeah, you twist the string up more and oh do Oh my gosh. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Because I'm seeing my arrows do some fishtailing right. or whatever, and I'm going, man, you know, and it's my compound's like, you know, this stuff is my buddy Daryl. Uh what Darryl, kind of compound do you shoot? I got a PSC decree. Okay. I've got a couple of them, but I had trouble with my previous bow. I was having just a difficulty shooting. And I went to my buddy's place down in Florida and I shot, um, he said, I just take a couple shots with this bow. And he had a, a, I was shooting into a wall, you know, three foot from me. 
Right. He just told me to feel the bow. And I was like, dang it. I kind of like this. Just the, it was really dead, you know? Yeah. So I took it outside and I shot it a little bit at the range. So I ended up getting this bow from him. I didn't, I didn't need it, but I shot really well with it. It's an easy bow to shoot. So I, that's why so I using a multi-pin or using a dial? I'm doing a multi-pin and I've, I'm mine are 30 to 70. I got five pins. Okay. I don't have a 20. I know where to hold for 20. Right. I, I used to do what you're doing in dial. I yeah. don't do that because I just felt like I catch myself with my pants down a bowl close and I'm at the wrong yeah. setting. Not that it's bad. I'm just saying that, you know, we, there's this constant evolution. Yeah. I told you about those, those arrows that my buddy Kevin was shooting. He was shooting these doggone arrows that are Valkyrie arrows, 200 grain broadhead, weight forward. They flew like a dart. So I'm going to try some of those. Now it's going to change your trajectory because it's going to drop right. more, but you're always looking for something way to be deadlier. If you do hit this bowl, you know, can you get through the bowl? Can you actually shoot and have an exit wound as well? Right. That's what you want. Yeah. But if you accidentally get forward in a bowl and you hit that shoulder yeah, with my bow, it ain't, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not going through no. that shoulder. No. And if you guys are shooting 60 pounds, I'm pretty sure it's not going no. through either no. unless you got a really heavy arrow. Yeah. With him, if he screws up and he gets a little bit forward, I'm pretty sure he's going to make it through that shoulder. He's going to go through. Because that, that arrow is designed for shooting things like Cape Buffalo. Right. Right. How is the, so the weight forward is. There's some kind of weight in the, it's called Valkyrie arrows. And okay. I, 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 I don't own any. I've shot his arrows out of my bow. They're really small. So they have less drag. I was talking to um, Fred's wife, Michelle, and she's killed. I mean, she's, she's just a, her dad was the muzzy broadhead dude. Oh, wow. Like Muzzalewski or whatever their right. maiden name was. Her dad was the dude that designed the Muzzy Broadhead. So this gal, she's been shooting since she could walk, you know? Right. And uh, she was explaining why she shot those smaller arrows to me. Because I thought it was kind of goofy. They're really tiny. And like the diameter. Yeah, the diameter is really small. And she goes, pretty simple, Kyle. It's less drag. You shoot an animal and there's less drag. Right. Duh. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. It yeah. makes total sense because the broadhead's doing the damage. Yeah. If your arrow is stopping the broadhead from doing the damage, that's wrong. So I'm shooting these arrows. Now, they're not like the old Chuck Adams, <laughs> you know, aluminum Dude, arrows are yeah. as big around as your wrist. Right. But Chuck Adams killed everything on the planet. He was the first right. guy to do that with a uh, compound, and Fred was the first guy to do that with a recurve. Yeah. So you think of the, some of these great archers that are out there. I don't know. I think there may have been some guys that have done this again now since they've done it, but they were the first and it's a big deal. No, just just going deal. out, just, just pick one of those animals, you know, as a, as an archery hunter, let's just say you have to go kill a deer. It's a big deal to kill a white tailed deer with a bow. Right. I don't care what anybody says. It's a big deal. It's so much harder to do than so a much harder. Yeah. Mule deer. Now we get into elk. Okay, Rocky Mountain elk, then a Thule elk, and then a, a Roosevelt elk. Then he goes six times. I think it took him six trips to Alaska to kill a doll sheep with his recurve. Yeah. Dude, I couldn't hardly make it through one hunt to kill a doll <laughs> sheep yeah. with my rifle. And that bro is doing it six times to kill it with his recurve. So you want to talk about getting your money's worth hunting. He got his money's worth. He didn't yeah. get his money's worth killing. He got it on the hunting, hunting side yeah. of it. And it makes, you know, it's just so much more payback, I think to to do it with a bow 
Now I hunt with my rifle a lot too. I love it. I don't care what you hunt with. I think, yeah. you know, get out there and hunt. That's one of the things that kind of pisses me off in our industry right now is this hyphenated hunting, you know? Oh, well, I, I hunted, well, I hunted in the, I hunted elk with a bow. Right. And it was a traditional bow and it was a long bow. Hyphenated hunting. Yeah. That's and good. I was doing it on public land. Right. And I didn't have shoes on. Right. And I smoked weed before I did it. Well, <laughs> dude, you're not my guy. Right. Hey, how about this dude? How about this guy that's 75 years old? He takes his grandkid and drives out on private property and kills an elk with his grandkid. Yeah. You tell me which one's more important to the future of hunting. Right. It ain't the drug addict from backcountry hunters and anglers that shot one with a, a right. bow on public land. Who cares, bro? That's fine. But you're trying to drive a spike between the dude that shoots it with his grandkid with a bolt gun and the guy, who cares, man? Go hunt. Go have that experience. Now, if you said, what's my favorite hunting? It is archery elk hunting. Sure. Because Antifa and BLM are not legal uh, to yeah, take yet with a bow. Can, unfortunately. Um, we're hoping that changes. Yeah. There's going to be a, a change coming up, I'm hoping. Right. I, I mean, it's public land, you know, o, you know, over-the-counter tags. Yeah, you know, public land. And, yeah. yeah. We talked about the terrorist Grand Slam, but you could also get the rioter Grand Slam. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a good change that we could make. I, I, I But I do agree with that, which is there's this big narrative because everybody's trying, and I get it, right? I, I get why they're trying to be more competitive. I want to do it this way. You know, it's kind of that same thing where it's like you went through ranger school in the last hard class, right? It's that same no, kind of I shit. I never went at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like See, so in the community. Than <laughs> well, no, I didn't go either. Oh, I'm yeah, saying so we're both, it's the, we both suck. And I wasn't a Marine either. It's the last either. hard class, yeah. right? I went through the yeah. last hard yeah, yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. It's the same shit, but, you know, I think that there's, I think there's something to be said for a bunch of guys like, like I think for you and I or whomever, and that's why I've been calling myself a projectile enthusiast. I just like to hit targets with stuff. I don't really give a shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I don't care. I, I like trad bow. I like compound bow. Yeah. I like, I like crossbows. I, I, I like bolt guns. I like mag, you know, you know what I mean? I, 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 I like it all, man. Carpenter bees. What? Dude, what? hunting carpenter bees is amazing. So I started out with a tennis racket. Right. <laughs> and it's hard. It's really hard because if you, you know, you swing at them, if you, you got to follow through and then you got to go stomp them into the ground. Cause right. I'm not making this up, dude. They tear our buildings up. We got those timbers on our, yeah, yeah. on our buildings and they'd get in there and they burrow into them. And I'm like, you know, I could shoot them. I could literally shoot them if I had a 22 with birdshot. Right. Yeah, but for the sure. problem with birdshot is when it comes out of the barrel, it spins and it's like, you got this huge pattern. Yeah. So you got to really get close to him. So then I was, Lucas was holding the ladder and I'm on the top of the ladder with a pistol. Pow, shooting, <laughs> shooting. The, and I got to wait till they clear the building. So it's like right. you're stalking them. They fly out and I'd shoot one. And then I have to cycle my pistol because that ammo won't cycle. Yeah. 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 Unless you got a revolver. <laughs> right. Then I realized the best thing was. 12 gauge with a turkey choke. Oh, wow. Yeah. Keeps a tight pattern. Right. So I could stay on the ground. And yeah. now this is really crazy. 12 gauge ammo is cheaper than 22 birdshot. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. Right. So I can go get a box of 25 rounds of whatever shot you want. Right. And then when they float out from the building, boom, my wife's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm killing 
Carpenter bees. Carpenter bees. And when you hit one, there's nothing left when you right, hit it yeah. with a shotgun. Now that sounds ridiculous, but it is a lot of fun. But going out and shooting with, you know, I've just built a flintlock. I'm, I'm excited to go yeah. and shoot that and go kill a deer with that. Lynn right. Ashley from FN. Yeah. He's an old buddy of mine. He's going to come down this fall. We're going to try Colonel to, Ashley. Is yeah, there, yeah, yeah. We're going to try to kill deer on our place with with a flintlock, and that's we're not doing that for somebody else. No, we're doing that for us because it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's I can't believe I'm doing it with a flintlock, but it's going to be awesome. But if you, I, I think a lot of people don't. They're trying to the the one upsmanship in that regard, yeah. whereas. I'm just trying to have fun, man. Like, honestly, I'm just, trying to, I, I'm trying yeah. to have fun. I'm trying to put food on my table for the kids. I love like all of those aspects, you know, with our, with our animals we took, you know, I was able to get the entire elk for yeah. instance. So I took the entire elk. I took all the bones out of it. We chopped them up for, for dogs in the office. You know, I had the one, both heads were Euro mounted. They're going to go in the offices or in some of our brick and mortar locations, you know, but I'm tanning the hides to make, you know, whatever out of them for yeah. whatever I want to do with them. I'm doing that now because Melinda started to make stuff out of leather. So yeah. she's making stuff out of critters I've killed. That's pretty cool. Now I love it. You know? I, I yeah. love all of that stuff. And honestly, when we go on our cow hunt, like that that's another whole thing where man, these, these animals are, you know, I do believe in the respecting the animals and the dignity of the wildlife. And I, I do that. I, I, I truly do believe in yeah. that because there are a lot of guys out there like I killed the biggest elk with the most, you know, the most traditional means and whatever it is that they're into. And Hey, that's awesome that you did it. I just hope you had fun, <laughs> you know, yeah. because if you're miserable and you're just trying to prove a point that you're bigger badass than everybody else. Man, that sucks. That's a shitty, shitty yeah, existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're doing it for other people, it's not as much fun as if you're just doing it for no. your own. Uh, whether it's mental health, I I just hunted in Montana with a guy, and we're driving one day together. This guy's he's done a lot of stuff, right? Been military and OGA and done a lot of stuff. And he said to me one day, he said, "Hunting saved my life." What? You know what I mean? What does that yeah. mean? I mean, he was in a place where things weren't right. Yeah. And he went to a place where none of that other stuff mattered. It was him and his bow or him and his rifle and him right. shooting an animal and then serving that to his kid and, you know, whatever, what, whatever asked, I don't care what it was, but that made him, he has very bad TBI. Right. So whatever it was, it put him in a place where he was content and I don't care. I mean, I don't care what it was. I don't care where, you know, if you're on public land or private land or, or whatever, no. you know. But I think that there, I think that's one of the things in any of these industries, there are always going to be the guys that are like poo-pooing and looking down the nose on other people for whatever reason. You know, Logan and I, when I took my dad hunting, we used those uh, Seekin 6.5s that are, you know, semi-auto 6.5s. Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys are like, you can't use six five on an elk. I heard Come that on, too, man. 
Yeah, that's what Joe Biden would say right now. Come <laughs> on, man. Come on, man. You want to do a push-up competition, Jack? Oh, yeah. shush. Yeah. Oh, shush. Oh, shush. But yeah, well, the same thing that with was crazy too. But yeah, it was like- I was like, what do you mean you can't- I mean, I, I, and I heard it more after- we killed yeah, those yeah. two elk. Yeah. I heard it more. I didn't. I didn't think twice about it going out there with those six fives. I didn't even think. Didn't even think well, twice. Yeah, so about what are it. what have kids been killing elk out west with for years? Two forty threes. Yeah, and a six millimeter Creedmoor is basically that with a heavier bullet, and a six mm-hmm. five Creedmoor is even more than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. know, and that and that's why I didn't yeah. even think twice about it, man. I didn't even think twice about it because you know what matters at the end of the day. Where the f- did you hit that thing? Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Kyle's audience, where, <laughs> yeah. where did you hit it? Yeah. Because I know, yeah. especially, you know, that as we were explaining it to, um, guys we were hunting with, which is, we dialed my dad in and we said, Hey, my dad's really confident. We, you know, sub 500. Well, shit. If, if, if the velocity of that round is 2850 at muzzle on a six, five, well, what's it going to be at 500? I don't need to, to actually do the calc at that. I know it's going to be fast enough to penetrate the height of that oh, elk yeah, yeah, yeah. and move yeah. through both its lungs. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. And my dad shot that at 230, right? Yep. So he shot his elk at 230 off sticks. So sticks yep, at yep. 230. Which is, this is... A 74-year-old man. Seven, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's an awesome dude. Well, yeah. Yes, yeah, he, he is. 74-year-old yeah. man has never shot past Who would you 100. rather fight, Evan or his dad? I'd rather fight Evan. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, yeah, I would. Ed would just be dirty. God knows what he's going to do. He'll right put a thumb, thumb in your eye and maybe in your butt. Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, He'll try to skewer you. And then he'll fish hook you with his... With the butt one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but we're at so, so we we were, were at, at eighty two hundred feet, eighty two hundred feet. Yeah, he shot the furthest he's ever shot that morning, two hours before, few hours prior yeah. to us going up there, and, and yeah, CLPD. Yeah, which is a worse version Long. of asthma, yeah. essentially. And he he we get to the top and he's huffing and puffing, you know, and. It's there, there's a lot of variables in there that could go wrong, and that that elk took two steps. Yeah, two steps, and it was down. And it was down two steps, and it was double lung. Did he clip the heart on it? Yeah, yeah, one round. So it's interesting. Everybody, what, what, what bullet is he using? The Hornady one forty. No, he's using the. Um, it's a custom load from Alpha Munitions. Okay. Uh, I think it's called it was the Hunter. Elite Hunter Eagle Eye. Yeah, it was one forty-two. One forty-two. Yeah, so is that one forty-two grain? But you know the the funny thing is, I've I've I didn't even think about any of those animals that we shot. So two bullets and one arrow, and there are three elk on the ground with things that people have told me since then that I shouldn't be hunting. With. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're the new guys. Yeah, I mean, and so, we're the new guys. Yeah, I'm the FNG here, man. I don't know better. So yeah, part of know. that though is so you're you're asking for it though because you're putting it out there, you know. Yeah, I mean, you really you are. And I'm not. I'm not. You're asking for it in the sense of you shouldn't be putting it out. You think? No, I'm it. saying you're asking for it. Now I'm yeah. not. Trying oh, I see. To I see what you're saying. I'm saying yeah. is, when I kill animals, I've had guy other people post them, but I don't post them right because it's nobody's business but mine. 
Right. Now, if you want to do, I don't have a problem with you doing that, but just understand that you're putting it out there and every douchebag yeah, that's sitting in, his, right. in a, in a beanbag chair in his mom's basement mm-hmm. is going to, they're not out doing it, but they're going to tell you how to do it. So right. whatever. Yeah, but like, you know, in general though, that's how industry moves forward is when people step outside of the box, they try stuff yeah, that nobody you're, else is You're not is stepping outside the box. Shooting an arrow at a hundred yards, that's been done. Yep. It just takes right. the right marksman. Shooting critters with a gas gun, I hate to break it to you, but I do that intentionally a lot because <laughs> I like to piss yeah. off the people that don't like black guns. Right. Oh, and then I use lead bullets. You know why? Because they kill better than monolithics. And I yeah. do that because it also <laughs> pisses off the left wing nuts. Right. You know, they're promoting federal ammo, monolithic, whatever, dude. Guess what? Lead bullets kill people and they kill animals and they're awesome. And we so, went on that uh, you're gonna to- you're gonna have to explain this to me. I, I don't know anything about this lead lead oh, bullet so, discussion. Yeah, years ago, I don't know about yeah, this. Yeah, so they're they're monolithics don't have lead, so they the you know, there's no eagles out there anymore because they've all ate lead and they've all died. Because when you are in Idaho, you never see an eagle anymore, do you? I see him all the time. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I see him hey, all the dude, time. if you want to see dead yeah. eagles, go to the base of a windmill. Right. You're going to see them stacked up like cordwood. Yeah. So windmills are awesome because it's this air thing and it's the left wing nuts like right. it. Right. Yeah. But they don't they don't want the eagles to eat the lead. Come on, dude. They're eating lead bullets. They're That's not what eating they lead say. bullets. They're, they're totally making this crap up. <laughs> They fed a bunch of critters lead to yeah. see what would happen. And, you know, they fed it to them different than than they would get from eating lead out of a, a dead critter. Oh, okay. I, I see what you're saying. They're saying, so, okay, that, yeah, okay, they're okay. saying like gotcha. the condor of California flew over and ate paint off of a fire, uh, fire station. Right. Lead-based paint. Got it. So we shouldn't shoot lead bullets because... Wait, Holy there's no, shit. it doesn't make sense, does it, all of a sudden? Oh, no, huh? I totally yeah. see that connection. Yeah, 20 yeah. years ago, they did a study, and they can't cite anything except for that study. But So that's where that came from. Got it. So okay. there's a shortage of bobwhite quail, and the bobwhite quail, what kills them? Well, it's not lead bullets. Right. Oh, wait a minute. What do we do with, we, we took a very effective way to kill animals in water, which was lead shot. Right. And now we've increased the the injury rate by probably, I don't know, a lot. Right. Because we started using non-lead bullets uh-huh. or non-lead shot. You see where I'm going? Yeah, it's, yeah. This is all, a, it, it, this is, doesn't make sense. That doesn't I've mean, always wondered that because I, I didn't understand why people got away from that. And I'm not, I guess, I guess I just haven't been curious enough to really even dive into it. There's a reason lead rhymes with dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lead bullets work and lead shot works. Right. Um, well, yeah, because anyway, the expansion. So that's why we, yeah, that's, so why, that's why we do what we're doing. We're going out and, or I shouldn't say that's why we're doing it. Why I'm doing it is because it's like kind of an in-your-face thing. And I'm, I'm sure people will see this and they'll be upset. And I get the emails about that too. Sure. But once again, if you put yourself out there, you're going to get it. Guys are telling me, I don't know anything about bullets and wildlife and they see this and they see it's come on man right you know i don't know you know a few things about bullets and in wildlife well and i think you you need to you need to research if you feel so strongly that they're going to the 
California condor is going to fly in on your gut pile right? on a pig you shot in California and eat your bullet and die, then you should go out and get a non-lead-based bullet. Sure. You should do that. And yeah. you should feel good about that when you go to Starbucks and you're sitting there. But I'm not going to Starbucks. I'm going to Black Rifle Coffee. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it's a different, it's like a, uh, I don't know. It's a different crowd. I understand that. Like I Virtue. Virtue signaling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's the same thing. And then when you start to dig into it, would you promote monolithic bullets if you got paid for promoting monolithic bullets? Probably. Yeah. I mean, so, if, if they sent us a pallet of monolithic bullets that we could shoot, I'd probably promote them. <laughs> you know, just saying if anybody's watching from federal, if you guys send us a pallet of ammunition. of ammunition. See, I don't think I even would do that. Two pallets. Yeah, send one to my house. <laughs> I would practice with that ammo, but sure. I would still shoot critters with lead bullets because it's yeah. this is off the tree hugging. Well, what do you shoot? But what do you shoot right now when you're when you're just planking? Which which caliber? Yeah, what all of them? Like what do you shoot? Well, so nine millimeter. I'm shooting nine millimeter full metal jacket. Right, but I'm carrying. Um, I'm either going to carry a SIG load or I'm going to carry a Hornady load. I really like the Hornady uh, critical duty. Right. That's awesome ammo. So that's what I'm going to carry. Well, then you get to your rifle. What are you going to carry? I'm going to mm -hmm. shoot the cheapest ammo I can. Right. That'll work. That won't destroy my steel. And even if it right. will, a lot of times I shoot it anyway. Right. Um, like green tip. I shoot green tip at my steel. I know you can't do that, but I do that because it's my steel. Right. And steel is an expendable item. Right. Um, and then if I was going to go into a gunfight right now, I would carry... I wouldn't carry, well, now green tip M855A1 is awesome ammo, mm -hmm. but I don't have access to that. So, you know, I would have to carry something other than that. Right. And there's, there's a ton of those bullets. A bonded bullet doesn't have to be a monolithic. Right. A bonded bullet means that the jacket is adhered to the, the, the guts of that bullet. So it stays together. It'll go through car doors. It'll go through glass. Doesn't mean it, that it won't tumble, but it'll yeah. stay together. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a monolithic. What are they typically bonded with, though? It's some glue process, I think. Right. So you can take like a, a Barnes Triple Shock. Yeah. Barnes Triple Shock, there's no lead in that bullet. So it, it's not going to, the bullet's not, it can still come apart, but it's it's not going to shred like some other bullets. Where a bonded, like, uh, there's the bear claw bonded stuff. There's, um, oh, the tactical bonded loads. Mm -hmm. And you see how they perform. They perform well through that and then having a payload. So you still hit the body of the still going to turn the bullet, you know, and you shoot through a windshield, how yeah. it turns the, turns the bullet, depending on how, what the angle is. Right. We don't know what that angle is for sure, but we do know that if you shoot enough, eventually a bullets will get to the bad guy and kill the bad guy, sure. whether it's from the inside out, like at a Antifa right. rally, or if you're um, in another situation where you're overseas and, and doing your thing there. Um, how thick, have you ever shot through the glass of a, um, of a, a, a large jet, because that stuff's really thick, right? You can't talk any, you got it. No. Damn it. No. Because how thick Shucks. is that? That's got to be like, what, six inches? Pretty thick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I wanted to know that. I'll have to have you that conversation with you later. Because <laughs> yeah. I've never shot through that yeah, stuff. Yeah, stuff doesn't work quite like it does in the movies. I've seen this, there's a show that's out there. It's called Veterans React. 
Yeah. And you shouldn't believe anything you see on that show. No, you shouldn't. No. Yeah. No, no. I mean, really, these movies have made us believe certain things. And yeah. really, a lot of them. I mean, if you look at Chuck Norris, everything he does is that actually can well, those happen. Are, because you, did no, those you have those there. rocket pods on your motorcycles? When yeah. You were doing on those? mine, though, I was always leaving the fight, not right. going towards the enemy. You so the, mine the are back all back. So that back. was my motorcycle they used for the reverse shot. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was yours. Yeah. That was the that one. That makes sense. Yeah, not yeah. the forward shot. Which I I thoroughly enjoy all of those movies, which we don't need to get into a veterans react. Yeah, yeah. But I always like to see people using like the shittiest equipment ever, like Mac tens and all this like crazy yeah, yeah. ass crap. And you're like, man, nobody that's <laughs> a professional would ever use that crap, like tech nines or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. dude, nobody used that. What are you talking there about? There was a gal in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That bought a Tech Nine. Now I don't know this lady. I never right. met her, but she went into this old pawn shop that we always used to buy our stuff at back in right. the day. B and B Pawn. This is B. I'm I'm before. This is before you probably ever even knew what Fort Bragg was. Because what was that big for, one? Ray's Guns. Was that what it was back oh, in the oh, day? Jim's or, Guns. Jim's Guns. Jim's yeah, guns. Jim's yeah, Guns. Yeah. yeah. And we went to the place Shooter Supply, which became Jerry's Pawn over on Bragg, but. This one was on Yak and it was called B&B. So this lady comes in there and she buys a Tech 9. And they sell it to her. They're good dudes. They sell this little old lady this Tech 9. They're like, okay, this is how you do it. They showed right. her how to load it and put it around in the chamber. And right. She's like, roger that. Well, she probably didn't say roger that. But, you know, she said. She took it. Yeah. yeah got it. So she leaves. There's a bump in the night. She's never fired this thing, never took to the range, never anything. She's got the mag loaded up with 20, 30 rounds, whatever it was. Heck yeah. She hears the thing go bump in the night. She pulls it out of the dresser. She's like, they told me to put the mag in and then pull this to the rear and let it go. Let it go. And it went full auto and it shot her dresser 30 times or 20 times or whatever. Solid. This thing went. <laughs> I mean, whether her finger was on the trigger or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't it matter. Went, it yeah, went it's full auto. auto. But yeah, so she had a, she had a good time with that. So the last Veterans React, we did Jeremiah Johnson. You guys did Jeremiah Johnson. You guys actually... I don't know that we've published that one yet. I don't think you published it Oh, yet. I thought it was out. Well, oh, nobody's here to tell us. Because we're like in a house somewhere. We right. don't even know where we're at. It's beautiful. We're at a ranch. Yeah, we're right. at a ranch somewhere in an undisclosed part of mm -hmm. Texas. But I was the only dude of the three that were there. Richard... Had never watched Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I bet he's watched Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, he, several <laughs> you know what I'm times. You several know he times. Has. Yeah, he's he's but, but he's relived me, portions of it. I would. You imagine. know, it disappointed me more than that. Ryan Kleckner was there. Ryan Kleckner is supposedly a former First Battalion Ranger. I'm thinking we're going to have to check. Because if yeah, he hasn't seen Jeremiah Johnson, how how is that Logan? Possible? Have you seen Jeremiah Johnson? Yeah. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. What did the guy say when he was buried up to his neck in the sand? Get me out of this sand. He's never watched it. Did you see that? He's never watched it. I don't. What did I've, he say? I've what did the guy it, say? I can't remember. I've seen you it. Do I can't too. remember. Who buried you here? I don't know. Weren't Mormons? <laughs> he he understands this stuff. Like you start. 
saying things as if I understand them or can remember them. I remember the concept and the movie for oh, sure. Which is you, one of the What most, did he say when you ran the grizzly inside uh, of the cabin? I have no idea. He, so you haven't watched it either. I so have. now we got two more dudes. I've seen it think, multiple times. Oh, whatever, dude. I'm not buying it. He I just said, don't remember Skin shit. that one, Pilgrim, and I'll get you another. To be fair, the archive that is your brain is highly impressive. Yeah. The amount of information that you maintain <laughs> and can retain. It's useless, any, though. No, it's not because you have a podcast and you can just talk about all of it. Yeah. So it's not useless. But no, you can. You can talk about really obscure facts and nobody knows what the you're talking well, you don't about. Even know if I'm telling the truth because <laughs> no, you don't. No, you, because yeah. I, I yeah. don't remember. I, my memory's not that good. Like it's not that good. I can remember different things. Well, I wanted for that. I wanted to get into because today's October third, which is the anniversary of Operation Gothic. Oh, Surf, I thought we were going to avoid this. Do you want to avoid no, it? No, I don't. Go ahead. Well, so your book, which everybody should go read if you're in any type of leadership position, is Leadership in the Shadows, and you say at the beginning of the book that Gothic Serpent had a bigger impact on your career than any other event in your military career. And and I if you're willing to go into it, I think why that is 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 really valuable. Well, so really, so th- can you remember the first person that had an influence on you going in the military? Or can you remember your first shooting instructor? Can you remember, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we do. We all remember the kind of the first and I'm not saying that that was my first time being in combat, but really that's my first time in combat because I was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Dude, where I was at, there wasn't nothing going on but the rent. Really? I was in fifth group. I didn't do anything. I mean, I didn't do, I did what I was told to do, Right. but I didn't do anything that involved, a, a you know, <laughs> the use of Shoot ballistic. Yeah, yeah. None of that was happening. Yeah. It happened for other people, but it didn't happen for me. So that was the first time in my life that things happened that we had trained for and thought about right. since, I mean, for me, maybe it was since I was a little kid. I don't know. But you were, so, but that's only two years, right? So there was only two years from the time that you right, were in right. Desert Storm. I guess Storm. what I'm saying though is, you, so that, that point in my life was significant because I thought back to the very first time that I shot rounds at a person. Right. And I've thought about that a lot when I'm on the range training other people because a lot of the things that I train now are because of what I learned yeah. on the battlefield that day, whether it's the proper use of cover, being able to shoot strong side and support side, having right. the right equipment, mounting your sights low like we do on the top of the flat top now versus on a carrying. There's a lot of things yeah. that happen mm-hmm. there. Leadership-wise, yeah. you know, yeah. leadership-wise, there's a lot of things. Those leaders we had there, we had great leaders. General Garrison. Yeah. Come on, man. That guy's amazing. Yeah. John Hale was my team leader. Another amazing guy, you know? Um, a lot of people on the battlefield doing, making great decisions. The Rangers, we're a bunch, with a bunch of, of young Rangers that are doing great things there. Larry Perino, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago and we did a podcast and he was he was in the street with me on the third and spent the night of the third morning of the fourth with me where I ended up by crash site one. We were working on one of his guys, uh, Jamie Smith, who'd been shot high in the femoral artery. So right there, what do you think I thought about when I went to do training? Do you think I was thinking about the sexy training? Right. No, I was thinking about what do you do when somebody gets shot? And the reason for that was 
I was blessed with good training before I went into that situation, Mm -hmm. but it got even better after that because now everybody focused on, and and by everybody, I mean the whole army. The whole army started looking at how do we do better medical training? And really, if you think about the two things that are going to happen that you need to make sure you're squared away on, one is how to drive a vehicle Mm -hmm. because you're going to drive most place you're going to go and you need to know how to provide medical aid to one of your mates. Shooting's important. Yeah, for sure. Knowing tactics, that's important. Mm. But you can get away with a little wishy-washiness there. But if you can't drive and you can't fix your buddy when he gets shot, those are failure, you know, failure factors there. Right. Um, we talked about this, I believe the last time we talked was about um Admiral Stockdale saying you're preparing to fail. When you're in the military, you always prepare to fail. And that really hit me hard, like preparing to fail. No, we're not. We're preparing for success. And then I went, wait a minute, contingency planning. What's the most important part of your plan? Contingency planning. What do we do if this happens? So that's what we learned in Mogadishu too. So you're, you're, you're going in there. What happens if you get put into the wrong location by the helicopter? What do you do? Do you sit there and cry and say, come pick me back up? No, you maneuver Across uh, the battlefield to your you call location. They, they don't, Uber. So you don't get participation trophies? No. Yeah, interesting. No, no I huh. heard the Marine Corps. No, that was the Air Force was trying to do that. Um, <laughs> no, so that happened to me there. And then what? what's another contingency? A bird gets shot down. That happened to us there. How are you going to move to that, you know, that location? Well, that was a pre-planned contingency plan was we're going to move on foot to that location. Mm-hmm. That happened because we couldn't move in vehicles because either we didn't have vehicles or the vehicles wouldn't fit down the alleyways. Right. What, what, whatever it was, that was the plan. Next contingency plan, what do you do if somebody gets shot? Well, guess what? That happened. Earl Fillmore was killed as we were moving to the crash site. Guy on my team. I never saw him got shot because I was moving forward of him. And and then Jamie Smith got shot beside me and we did what we were supposed to do there. Now we can't leave the battlefield because we have the body of one of our pilots pinned inside the wreckage. Mm-hmm. I heard a guy that was just yesterday, I think he said something like, um, well, you were pinned down by the bad guys. No, we weren't pinned down. We had a guy crushed inside of the helicopter we couldn't get his body out we weren't pinned down we could have left at any time Mm. but we didn't because why because we don't leave a fallen comrade that's another thing that's a contingency right never i mean that's something you don't brief but it's you know what i'm saying yeah no and it doesn't matter if you're in the army or in the marine corps you're taught the same thing i'm taught law enforcement these guys law enforcement guys look at me like i'm crazy man i can't believe you would do that and then I go, what would you do if one of your buddies got shot in somebody's front yard? Would you just leave his body there? They're like, no, we would. There you go. Yeah. You're the same as us. You're absolutely the same as us because you're a warrior on the battlefield, whether it's in Portland or, you know, Somalia or whatever. So contingencies, you know, as Stockdale said, we are preparing for failure. So that's something that I've taken very serious since that day because I know what it's, I know what all of this was like and I don't want to replicate that. Mm. Um, We talked about this in one of the other podcasts we did yesterday with y'all. We learned lessons, not just on the battlefield, but even for our family support group, how the notification process happens for the wives. We failed at some of that. We can't, we can't fail at that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's important to me. I don't want to say it was a defining point in my life because I don't know that it, 
I don't know if it was defining point in my life and I don't want it to be the defining point in my life because I think there's other things that should be the defining, you know, like I'll tell you what would be more defining to me would be as if, if I, and I've had this happen, which is awesome. I have a soldier or Marine or maybe even from one of the other non-combat services. Um, That's meant to be a joke, but you're not laughing. (laughs) These guys will send me an email and they'll say, Hey, I learned this from you and this saved my life. Or I learned this from you and it made me think about this. And this is what we did. Yeah. To me, that's more important that I learned a lesson and I passed it on to another person. Then I learned a lesson. I kept it to myself so that the next time I got in a gunfight, I remembered that because mm-hmm. last time I checked Kyle Lamb ain't getting in a lot of gunfights. There's dudes with a whole lot more in, uh, uh, gunfight experience than me. Knocking on wood. I was just knocking on wood for you, buddy. Yeah. You know, it's, no i think that that when i talk to other dudes and i see the the predicaments that they've been in and i was telling you about the couple of dudes that just did a podcast i listened to other two guys i put through otc man i was like touched by what they said and what they've learned and you know if anything i taught them helped them great if it didn't i want to learn from what they learned on the battlefield Mm -hmm. and and them passing it on is going to help other other dudes too, whether it's on the battlefield or after the battle or, or whenever. So yeah. does that kind of make, no, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because obviously you did a lot of things after Mogadishu and everything, um, working up to nine 11, like were you, were you kinetic a lot in that time or like, could you feel that something was on the horizon? That no, not. I mean, we were doing things that were kind of fun, but they weren't real. Yeah, they weren't. We weren't kinetic, as you like to say. That's uh, no, not not really. I mean, we, we did some stuff, but it wasn't super exciting. Because yeah, like Bosnia, yeah, was Bosnia, there, Bosnia there, was right? fine, but Bosnia, I mean, there wasn't really a lot going on out there, right? I mean, we were making work, right? which is what you do. If you're an SF guy, yeah, you make work, you go and find a job that you want to do. Cause you know, going to Bosnia was awesome. Cause there's nothing else going on. Right. So, you know, trying to track dudes there or whatever, mm-hmm. pulling security. I did pull a lot of security over there, which sucks. Who, what were you pulling security for? The S4 commander. Really? Mm-hmm. Boy, that sounds like shit. dude. Yeah. That was no fun. It was a terrible it sounds like a misallocation of resources at the end of the day, but I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. Well, you know, there's a big threat to the S4 commander. Yeah. 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 It <laughs> seems like he's it, yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. I think the only threat to the S4 commander was from the Rangers <laughs> <laughs> because is- he went on to take away their berets. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Shinseki. Oh, I yeah, worked Shinseki. for him. I thought he was a pretty good dude, but that was a a very uh, it was a bad call. Yeah, it was a stupid, a really stupid call. call to take the berets away from yeah. the Rangers. But um, but I I I realized this though. My after like as I get older, I I used to have a lot of respect for general officers. Like I, I used to have a lot of respect for them, especially when I was in the military. Then as I kind of transferred into more of the civilian capacity, I started working with them in, in a wide variety of circumstances. And then out, I, I, I've lost a lot of respect for them because I, I realized that there was, a, there was a certain amount of them that really 
they should not have been in charge of their own keys, to be honest with you, to yeah. their, to their, to their Humvees. They weren't. But, and then when I say that, it's, I have a lot of, uh, a level of disdain for a lot of these guys because they, they made a lot of really poor decisions, especially in the conventional side. I don't know necessarily about the soft side. And then I don't see a lot of these guys really leading their post-service uh, careers in in holding people accountable for what's kind of the 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 post effects of the war. Like I don't I don't I don't see the general officers out there leading from the front, talking to politicians and pushing them to kind of well I, fund like brain research studies yeah. and burn pit studies and things like that. But you know who did do that before he died? Dick Meadows did that. The last five years of his life, you know that's all he did. Wow. He was lobbying Congress, not beating the drum for Agent Orange. And he ended up dying from complications from Agent Orange. Wow. Dick Meadows was that guy. Yeah. He was, you know, a combat commander. And then his post career, he was still leading. Yeah. Up until the day they put dirt on that, on the ground, on top of his casket. I read something disturbing in the news a couple of days ago. So General McChrystal, I worked for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was a very well-respected leader. Right. Um, and he has done some good from the front stuff since he got out. Right. He has been uh, pushing for gun control. So that's from <laughs> the front. He's been doing some good. <laughs> well, I mean, he's very good for the left. I mean, yeah. I think that's good. He's, he's yeah. a, a former general officer that yeah. um, left the service during Obama's area era because of a Rolling Stone article. Fantastic decision-making. So Really good stuff that he did there. Now he's supporting Biden for president. Good idea. So it's, it's difficult for me to, this is a guy that on the ground, you know, he didn't carry a gun. No. As a soldier. Right. So us peasants were the ones that had to carry the guns and protect him. And I feel bad because I feel like the guy has good leadership capabilities, but when you're treating guys around you with disrespect, like you will protect me. Now I'm, I'm sure he's got a twisted way of looking at that. Like, sure. like no, I was just not going to carry a gun because I don't know what the reasoning is, but mm -hmm. you're in a combat area and you're going out on the ground with us and you're not going to carry a gun. I don't know what that's right. about. I read his, the, one of the books he wrote and he was upset about having a picture of Robert E. Lee. I believe the picture was given to him by his wife and he was upset because he had a picture of Robert E. Lee that hung in his house or in his office for 30 or 40 years. And he decided that was going to hurt people's feelings and pass a bad message to them. So he got rid of it. It's like, okay, you did that. Why did you write about it then? Right. So if you're, if you really felt that way, you're so compelled to not hurt people's mm -hmm. feelings with a, a picture of Robert E. Lee right. on your wall, because you're from Virginia or whatever, then why didn't you just take it off the wall? But it was, it was meant to be that virtue signaling that mm -hmm. we talked about earlier. You know, if you come to my house, I have one picture of a general officer hanging on my wall and that's Nathan Bedford Forrest. Mm -hmm. And that's because of his leadership capabilities as a K 
cavalry officer, not as what he did. You know, people want to throw him under the bus because he, hey, he ran. We talked about this yesterday in the one that we right. talked about. He, he did some things that weren't great, but he was an awesome leader. And he did, he, he, he did change his ways later on, which he was punished for as well. He went to talk to, I forget it was NAACP or one of these, one of these outfits. And he presented flowers to the lady and kissed her on the cheek or something like that. And everybody was up in arms because this guy kissed a black gal and they don't, they never bring that up. Right. They want to make him out to be this bad person, but mm -hmm. he actually changed his ways. So, you know, whatever. Well, but, I think that that's by the, the way, the Democrats, you know, the Democrats started the civil war. Well, I, I think most, <laughs> I think most people would be, I think they're, they're open to these types of conversations in the sense of they're, they're logical, right? Which is Robert E. Lee was renowned for being a great officer. He was, he's, he's been written not and glorified in the context of, uh, what, um, you know, he was fighting for necessarily. He was, he was, he was, he's been written about because of the way that the, the man led and what he did. Yeah. Just as there's been some incredible uh, combat leaders that were also, you know, Nazi officers, it doesn't take away their accolades that they, they accomplished on the battlefield, nor what you can learn from what they, they had accomplished. And, Ultimately, I think that that's where if you devalue information based on maybe somebody's individual ideology, you can't learn from what they had done. So, uh, you know, how many people would disagree with the way that Genghis Khan had actually conducted business, up, yeah. right? Yeah, he got busy, yeah. He did. He got, he got super busy, like all the way around he did, right? So uh, some, He killed some, like, so many people that he changed the atmosphere yeah he's he's rewritten the 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 human dna based on how many children he has had in central asia yeah. like that so from when i look at this i'm like well you're, you're taking away a substantial amount of information based on somebody being a racist or whatever it might be well that doesn't mean that they don't have something of value that you can learn from and i think that that's where people have said this is taboo it's off limits and Robert E. Lee, as we know, he had a significant amount of conflict, internal conflict as to whether or not he was going to fight for the North or the South, right? Yeah, you're leaving your, you're leaving your country Correct. to go fight for your state and your family. Right. That's how he looked at it. Yeah. And what did he lose? Where is Arlington National Cemetery at? Mm -hmm. In his yard. Yeah. It's, they, they did that on purpose. Yep. And now it's become this revered place, which I think you know, is, is right. There's nothing wrong with that, Correct. but yeah, he lost everything. And, and he's a tortured dude. I think Grant was tortured as well. I think they were all reasons. tortured. Yeah. Well, okay. there's no way you can kill your own countrymen to that degree. And I yeah. don't think there's, I don't think there's any way for you to, to, for you to escape that emotionally and psychologically no. free from torment. There's no fucking way killing their countrymen would be probably one of the most psychologically devastating acts. Yeah, like, so is it? What what would happen if we had to go against, 
you know, what's going on now? What if our country became so divided that we started having riots around the country and, and we had, you had to pick a side. I think you know? it's different for us. Maybe not. I mean, maybe it isn't. Well, I mean, I the, there were so few people around back then. It was overall population it, numbers. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But the people, so, but the people that are Antifa are still our countrymen, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, they you're are, right, they, right. whether they're BLM or Antifa, there are, they are Americans. And and I'm saying that because if, if we have to fight to save our country from them, we should fight to save our country. Yes, but this is a philosophical divide as opposed to then it was, and it was this too, but it was attached to land. So you had the North versus South element to it. So, you know you would be fighting people that you grew up and went to school with in the Civil War. Yeah, and that may be true now, too. I mean, you would fight against people that have been veterans that are have decided to pick the other side, or you're fight. I mean, it could... Boy, I don't know of too many of my friends. I don't know of I any. I understand. Right? You, we say that, but we don't know. I guess my point yeah. is... How I, many guys when, you, when, that you served with would join the other side, do you think? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. <laughs> well, McChrystal is a, a guy that's in a leadership position that has stood up for that side. Wow. So, no, I mean, seriously. Yeah. And he, the guy was a great leader. So they're mm-hmm. going to take a guy that was a great leader right. for, for special operations in mm-hmm. American, American military forces. And, and he's going to, you know, he's with that side. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. I, I think he's in the. I think he's probably in the the minority, but I see what you mean. I I do like I'm. I think about it, you know, and I fully understand, you know, the individual countrymen, and, you know, I think that to Logan's point, there were very clear, you know lines, the state is doing this, the state is doing this, the state is doing this. Yeah. So if we look at like California, for instance, and Washington and Oregon, because it really, that's where most of this shit is going on, right? When we look at, and really it's Northwest, it's kind of the epicenter of where these other, other guys are at. It's really Portland, Oregon. Boy, they would be hard pressed to, I think, they'd be hard pressed to, 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 push out of Portland, Oregon. I really think that, that I, I think that most, the majority of Eastern Oregon would just come in and just say, listen, kids, <laughs> yeah, the participation yeah. trophy generation. Rangers with uh, two by fours and football helmets. Yeah. 275 would come down from Fort Lewis and take them about 15 minutes yeah. to pull down their pants and spank them and wipe their noses and send them back home to their parents <laughs> and be like, okay, it's time for you to go. And maybe I'm oversimplifying it because I mean, I've heard this. I've, Thomas Friedman had said something about it just recently about such a divide in the country. In Thomas Friedman or George Friedman? Thomas, the, the, the world is flat. Oh, guy. okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't like yeah. him. I don't know anything. I know I don't know anything about his individual politics, other than his "The World Is Flat" and a few of the other books that he's written. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it, I know that when you have guys like Thomas Friedman saying stuff like that, that obviously it's getting more and more into a mainstream conversation, and which is interesting because I don't even think the country's close 
to it. I really don't. I don't think that it's even close. Maybe I'm just living in a blithely ignorant place, but I think there's a lot of voting that people have to do. And I think that the defund the police initiative that people are putting out, like, you know, a lot of police officers, we all know a lot of police officers. You still have to have a pretty big police force to try to even do a, a national gun confiscation, for instance. Where are you going to find the police to do that? Yeah. You're, you, because I'll tell you, most of the cops that I know, they're not going to do it. Yeah. You might find two out of a hundred that are willing to do that. The rest of them are going to go, Mm-mm. one, it's really f- dangerous. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine national gun confiscation. You know, you have some dimwit beta male like Beto, Beto O'Rourke, some college dropout drunk, yeah. like leading the charge to come and take people's guns in Texas. There's still a lot of really pro-American, pro-2A people that would say, you guys are getting ready. Like the the Kamala and Biden and Beto and all those just ridiculously disconnected idiots that live in an echo chamber of just progressive, um, a stew pot of stupidity, if you will, you know, that they'll eventually have a reality check when they get up to the appointment of the AG and a few of these other people are going to go, we don't have the resources or even the people to consider this a valid option. So what you guys are going to have to do is you're going to have to take this and try to, because they can't executive order it. There's no way. Yeah, There's just no way. So I'm playing it out from a second and third order effect going, I've heard it from a lot of my buddies are like, well, Kamala Harris, she's going to do this. It's going to be a new AG. And I'm like, you still need the police officers to enforce it, dude. Like, can you, how many train, how many guys have you trained in the police, you know, through police forces in the last decade? (laughs) Right. Yeah. How many of those guys are going to be like, Kyle, I'm coming to get your guns. They would be half baked and crazy to think that that was going to be an option. They would be completely out to lunch. Yeah. Talk about the America. If America, if, if there were, if they were so what, and I think what would happen is if that was some type of an executive order or some type of what you would have is you would have a strict and swift law enforcement would be, they would go, I'm out of here. They would turn off the lights in all the stations across the United States, all these the stew pot of stupidity in DC would wake up and roll out of bed the next day and they would go, Oh shit. Yeah. Our, our house is on fire and there's nobody yeah. to call to put it out. And yeah. there's people breaking down my fence and Oh shit. Yeah. We can't hire people fast enough. We can't recruit enough progressive ideological lunatics to backfill these roles and do all this. So and- let me ask you a question about, so let's talk about this area Please. here. So we're in Texas and you, you, I went to Georgetown yesterday or the night before yeah. and I go to see my buddy. He's a, he's a Marine dude, you know, and I know what his views are. Yeah. I mean, he's a gun toting Christian dude that I would say supports. Well, I don't want, I would say, I know he supports the right. Right. And I'm looking around his neighborhood and there's a lot of Biden signs. Yeah. And it was kind of weird for me coming from Tennessee. Right. 
because there's, and, and I've seen some of those too, even in little Centerville where I live, you know, I, I've seen a Biden sign there. I saw right. one, um, but, but that neighborhood was, there was a lot of them. Now there was some Trump stuff too, but it's just, to me, it was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Well, maybe, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the election, but I hope, I hope we win, you know, for the, for, even if you can pick whatever, whatever is important to you is, is religion important to you? If it is, then I would say you better lean to the right. If abortion is important to you to, to kill babies, then you should lean to the left. If your guns are important to you, then you should lean to the right. I mean, pick those, you know, pick where it's at. There's no way I could be on the other side because I'm, I'm not going to defund the police. Right. You know, that's, that's never going to be something that's going to come out of my, Dumb. out of my mouth. Now, if you want to say defund the government, I'm, I'm all, on board with I'm that too. All for that. I, I want to, I want the, 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 the next soundbite to be defund politicians. We yeah. should be defunding Washington. Just cancel all their comps. Oh yeah, yeah. Let them go and do whatever the so hell they're doing. So let me ask you about taxes. Here's an sure. idea that I had that I would like to see. I don't. This is going to sound terrible coming from me, but I don't mind paying taxes. I honestly I don't, don't either. And here's why: because our taxes give us the infrastructure and the military and the things that we need to have in our country. However, what would happen if you got to choose where your taxes went? Think about that. Think if you got your IRS form and they said you owe 30% taxes and you could say, I want it to go towards welfare. I want it to go towards, you know, you pick whatever. I've been thinking about that for a long time, Kyle. I think that you know, that's the way our healthcare system should actually be funded. I think you should say, I want to contribute to the national healthcare system. And if you don't, you don't, because I don't believe that you should be forced to pay for somebody else. Like, I just don't believe that's a forcing function. And I don't believe the United States government should do that. Now, granted, there are things where we have to collectively buy in and there has to be a forced uh, majority, I think, you, to to go along with this. For instance, transportation is really important to the overall economy. It's important to security and infrastructure. So, I don't necessarily believe that people should be able to opt out of using the roads, for instance, or paying for roads. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't yeah. think you should be yeah, able to yeah. opt out yeah, in yeah. that because you're going to drive. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna you're Common gonna spaces. drive. Yeah, but so why? But why are the taxes so askew for? You know, you get a tax break. What? What? Why do you get a tax break because you drive a Prius? Well, that's some progressive bullshit. That's well, I know like, it is. I'm just saying it's just it's not. That's. I don't know. We can't fix this. We started out with archery, which was so amazing. <laughs> but I think you're we, right. I think you're right ended. because I've had this argument with with this all for for months. I don't understand why this solution isn't easy. We what we do when you file your taxes is you say I want to contribute to the National Education Fund and the the National Healthcare Fund, and then you check those two boxes and you turn in your taxes. And that's the way that it works. And if you want to give extra money, you can right there. You can add an extra 10, 20, 30%, whatever it is that you want. If you want to give your entire compensation over to the government so they can, you know, incompetently spend, 
then you're the dumbass that needs to do that. But don't force yeah. me to do it. Like, I don't believe in large scale military occupational wars either. I don't, I think that we should be fighting wars much smarter, much more economically, uh, much more, uh, much smarter and, and economically. I really do. I think that, you know, Afghanistan is a perfect, perfect example of that. Is I just don't think that we need a large scale military occupational force to maintain security and to deny a sanctuary from terrorists. I just don't believe it. And I don't believe that we can, nor should we expect to, to build a democracy as a, as a Islamic Republic. Like I think it goes directly contrary to American values to build a Islamic representative state yeah. in Central Asia. And I don't like my taxpayers going to build one. Yeah. I don't. And I, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why the ACLU will fight the United States government over a bunch of bullshit, but they won't fight for the State Department to stay the fuck out of religion when we're building Islamic republics in, in yeah. Central Asia. Yeah. That's completely hypocritical, and I don't like my taxpayer dollars going to it. I'd rather have a bunch of commandos by, with, and through stacking up airplanes and dropping bombs on people when they start to get a little bit out of line. We smack them back down. We add a bunch of people on horseback, jump up into the mountains in Pakistan, smack those assholes back into the dirt, but send 18-year-old kids out there in armored vehicles and driving around and waiting to get blown up. I think that's about moving my taxpayer dollars from me into the pockets of you know, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, a combination of other people. That's my two cents. But the other piece to that is to the point of don't force me to pay for healthcare or education or all these other, you know, forcing functions. You know, why the hell should I be forced to pay for somebody to go get a, you know, transgender study, social science, PhD, where you can continue to propagate a bunch of fictionalized horseshit <laughs> for $80,000 or whatever it yeah, is that yeah. you're going to spend on it. Go get a mechanical engineering degree if you want to earn money, but it's not my responsibility that you went and wasted all go your money on a bunch. Yeah. Go learn how to weld and don't blame me if all you can do is wait tables after you got your PhD in social science because you can't find a job. Like that's so, not, it's not my responsibility to make sure that I'm your fucking career counselor with my taxpayer dollars. You've heard the statement, men without chests. So mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called... Uh, abolition of man. And one of those, I forget exactly how the quote goes, but basically what he's talking about, we've, we've created a, a, a society of men without chest. We've, and, and this is what the quote says, something to the effect of we, we've castrated these geldings. I mean, they're geldings yeah. once they're castrated mm -hmm. and we've said, go forth and, and be fruitful. Well, you can't, you're gelded. You're, you can't we've created men like that. And I think that part of what's happening is it is the men, you know, these men that are out there riding, they don't have a purpose. If they're doing that, they've, they feel like that's their purpose, but I think that's a misguided purpose. And mm -hmm. maybe sometimes we're a little bit misguided too, Sure, but a guy that serves in the military, I think has, has serving other people, guy that serves guy or gal 
you know, that, that statement, I don't want that to be mm-hmm. just, well, really, I guess the castrate parts only dudes, but the, the men or women without chest, women are less of a problem in America than the men. If the men would get out and do what they need to do to serve other people, you know, if you want to be a, a I'll, I'll give you an example. My buddy's in, oh, where was he at? In Syria. Or was he in Iraq? Anyway, what it doesn't matter. He ran into a group of anarchists. And in Syria or Iraq? Really? Yeah, one of, they're, yeah. they're over there trying to help feed, or no, they're running the ambulance service for the people wherever it was at. And these right. are all Americans. And he says he sees this lady and she's kind of a rough looking gal. And he says, uh, and this guy's a, a, a missionary. He says, can I pray for us before we go out? So he prayed for him, anarchist, so right. whatever. So she comes up to him after the fact and she goes, I'm a believer too. So we can, we're kind of judging somebody because the way she looks or whatever, and she's an anarchist or whatever. So she's got the, she actually has a mission. She has paid her way to go to, where I forget if it was Syria or Iraq. But anyway, goes there and and is, it's on one of my podcasts. Um, she's serving. Giddy up. That's awesome. Right. So if you want to go serve, serve in the military or law enforcement, you don't want to do that, then go help people that really need help. And burning down Portland is not helping anybody. No, burning no. down Seattle is not helping anybody. You know, if you want to go and help, go to DC and help those people out there that that need help out of office that can <laughs> that we can get, you know, fresh. Nancy Pelosi's been in there for 150 years, yeah, I think. something like that. But yeah, she's got great stock ice cream. Yeah. She's got Enough great stock ice cream. Face. What? Enough to rubberize her face. <laughs> yeah. Right? She's, she yeah. just looks like a horror film character. I, I think it's just out. in general, these guys need to rotate out. I get, I, I've had enough to listen to these idiots. You know, whether it's Feinstein or Pelosi or, you know, Biden. Biden's been in office longer than I've been alive. 47 freaking years. You know, 47 years. And now this is the time. Hey guys, I know I haven't done much for 47 years, but this one's going to be the one. You know, I finally got the seat. And I'm like, well, that doesn't say much for the rest of our Congress and Senate for everything that they do because yeah. they can't do anything. So what do you think? What One of the problems I have is I don't understand why when we have people that are on our side but they look different than us, the left then attacks them. So I don't know. That part, that, see, that's what blows my mind. It blows have, me away too. You have a dude or a gal that says, here's what I support. And that means that I, like the, the gal in, I think it's Baltimore, mm-hmm. running for office. And she's like listening to one of us talk. Right. Except she doesn't cuss, <laughs> you know, Sorry. but I mean, she's, you know what I mean? She's, I wasn't, I didn't mean that in a bad way, Evan. I meant that <laughs> like literally. She's a well-spoken gal that wants to to do something that hasn't been done in, ba- I think it's Baltimore. Well, yeah, she's trying to get a house seat. Yeah, and they're trying to make her out like- Well, it goes she, against their narrative. It throws a wrench into everything dude. that they're trying to do because it's No, it's, like, it's the same thing with um the, the new Supreme Court nominee. Oh yeah, the gal, yeah. Oh yeah. You're a racist because well, no, you adopted like the, some children it's, it's from women's Haiti. power movement, you know, feminist movement, feminists. We we you know we support feminism except for conservative women. Sorry, yeah. 
We don't support them because we only support progressives. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter it, what, what their entire thing is, is they can, they hide in this, this, all the umbrellas that they need, right? In these entirety generalist statements, women, minorities, whatever it might be, they hide under that because it's not all. Because if you're a conservative, if you go contrary, you don't even have to be conservative, actually. Just contrary to whatever it is that they're believing, yeah. now you're the enemy and you've been co-opted and you're obviously not smart enough to understand what we're doing, right? It's, and it makes no sense. Like it makes, it's a, it's a fascist information movement. It's exactly what it is. They're afraid of information. They can't, and, and, and when the, 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 the place to hide is just through deny everything and make counter accusations, right? Roger we've heard that. that. <laughs> we've heard that from the beginning yep. of time, deny everything, make counter accusations. So that's exactly, I was, it's like watching the news on either side. It's just deny everything, make yeah, counter accusations. Yeah. All right, Mr. Lamb, thank you very much. It's time to wrap this thing up. We got to go. Hey, go buy some Black Rifle coffee. If you're listening to the Team VTAC podcast, go and, and get Do on it. the exclusive coffee club. Oh, yeah. Team VTAC. That's awesome. Right? But the exclusive coffee the club. exclusive coffee club. No, we're, we're adding Berserker to... The coffee club. Really? Yeah. So you need to be pushing the Berserker blend in the coffee hey, club. Bers but that's, no, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's going to happen. I'm just telling you that the, you have opened my eyes to a world I didn't know existed. No, not my eyes, my right, mouth. Your mouth. Dude, I, that stuff is amazing. I mean, every one now, some I've liked better than others, but none of them have been bad. They've always, always like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I told my buddy, he goes, yeah, you know, I found out that coffee kind of gives me the jitters and I'm, I'm, I don't, I haven't been drinking a lot of coffee and I'm on the Black Rifle coffee plan. And I get the exclusive stuff and I'm like, oh, you get the exclusive stuff. And what was the bear one? Space, space bear. bear. I said, hey dude, did you get the space bear coffee? And he goes, yeah, I got that. I haven't opened it yet. And I said, oh, ugh. It's terrible. You don't <laughs> just send it to me. I'm like, dude, you don't want to. <laughs> you really don't want to drink that because if you're having trouble right now, don't even. <laughs> and he's like, it's really that bad. And I go, it's terrible. Yeah. Bring that with you when you come to visit me Friday, and I will make sure that you don't have to drink it. <laughs> yeah, we'll that throw it. We'll throw it away. Awesome. We'll throw it away in my garbage can. Don't yeah, worry. That coffee yeah. was yeah. awesome. Yeah. What's it? Tell me about now. I didn't get any of this because you can't. Logan Geisha. No, 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 not the geisha one. The was it flying elk that mm -hmm. had was with the berries? Which one did you do with that had the that had the the I thought you did one that like the berries were the natural process, I think is Yeah. So what was what was that? Uh well we did too. So the naturally processed honey, I think is what you're you're referring oh, to. So okay, I thought you put honey processed, yeah. So all that is is it's just uh, essentially, it's a fermentation process as they before they're there. It's naturally, uh, which means you're not using uh, water processed or any of these other things that you might you might be utilizing. So you're letting the cherries essentially ferment longer, and it creates a oh, sludge. Okay, which is typically done over time. It can be different colors, so it could be a yellow or 
uh, red or it turns into this, this sludge. And it's more, it's not, there's no honey involved in it. It's just the way that how long you let the cherries ferment essentially before you strip the cherries but off. It, but it gives you like a fruity flavor to yeah. the coffee. Yeah, for, it, it, it ferments it a little bit more. The glucose has longer to interact with the coffee bean. Yeah. And what is it called? I can't remember when, they, but they will. They, they'll let, instead of depulping it, they'll just let the, the cherry and the skin mm. dry on it. What is that called? Um, dry. Dry process. Dry processing. That's what it is. It's wet or dry. Well, that's, that's, I mean, <laughs> so if any of you folks out there are getting that exclusive coffee club stuff and you don't, you're like, this is making me jittery. Just, I'll get you my address. You yeah. Know. We'll you send can you ship it to Kyle's me. That's the only address. Thing, I, that's the only thing I don't like about that is you don't get enough coffee. Well, you can get more. You can add three or four bags a month. No, you can't. Just most people don't. Hmm? Oh yeah, that's right. We took no, the three bagger away. That's right. Can't do it. Only can't do it. Two bags is one bag. Two bags now. I think you can is get it? a two bagger. Are you sure? Yeah, two baggers. But the you highest can use level fake one. names. Yeah, you can use fake names. No, so, you can. Yeah, I have a two. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I have yeah, a two sure bagger. I have what's a two bagger. Yes. What do you use as a stage name? Mine. Yeah. What's your first pet's name? Uh Boots. Boots. And what's your mother's maiden name? Boots Vanderpool. There you go. <laughs> Boots Vanderpool. What's okay. yours? First pet's name. Wait, is this is this how you isn't this how you figure out your porn name? No. Well, you can call it that if you want. But Kyle's more. I'm a little yeah. more mainstream. Yeah. Than you, okay. So, so it's your, your first your pet's name. Pet and then Boots. I'm Puppy Peterson. Puppy, Puppy Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I would be uh and then what was the second part? Your mother's maiden name. Uh Abby Mortensen. Oh, look at that. That's pretty good. Interesting. Abby. It's like a really vanilla You're a hot name. chick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really hot it. Scandinavian chick. Yeah. All right, fellas. These, yeah, 23 and me. We're going to figure out if I'm your dad. <laughs> I got to no. go. I'm going to pee my pants. All, All right. right. All right. All right. Thanks, God bless Kyle. America. Oh.